Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. Enjoy the message. Hey everybody, Pastor JD here. How are you? Uh, thank you for participating in community time. Uh, we love our healthcare workers. We want to support them right now. We're so grateful for Jen and others who are working in the ways that they're working right now. We'll pray for the people that you mentioned in the chat stream. Thanks for doing that. It's so one of the things that I love about this new way of uh, gathering on Sundays is the chat stream. We're able to talk with each other. Uh, people were joking about, <laughs> I'm able to say the things that I was thinking in my mind, but would be inappropriate to say in the middle of JD and Christian Ann's sermon. Well, now you can. <laughs> What's cool about this is you're in uh, our basement. Uh, this is in our, our basement. This was going to be our next child's room. But for the next little bit here, it's going to be the pastor's studio in the basement. And welcome. And uh, I have one request. Uh, when we finally make it back to Loring, can I still wear my slippers when I preach? Let me know in the, in the chat stream. Maybe some of you are opposed to the slippers. Maybe you pro slippers. Just let me know. Thank you all. I, I'm just being silly, but thank you all for adjusting to this new normal. It's been quite incredible, hasn't it? Uh, how fast we've shifted the way that we gather together, the way that we uh, are a community together. We're apart, but we uh, as a staff are trying to figure out ways for you to be a part of what's going on in our community and connected to one another. So thank you. It's been fun to hear all the creative ways that you are continuing to love your neighbors and continuing to love one another. Uh, like I said, one of my favorite things is the chat stream that's going on. Um, you know, I'm recording this early, but I'm able to be there uh, with you and chat if this is live. But you can tag me as well if you're watching this afterwards. If you've got questions, comments, myself or another staff member are happy to engage with you on that. And I love that about what we're able uh, to do now. So uh, I'm recording this in my home. You may hear kids running around upstairs laughing in the background. This is just the way we roll now. So. One of the cool ways uh, that we have been trying to do things a little bit differently is trying to incorporate as many of your wonderful faces in uh, these recordings as a way of you keeping tabs on each other, seeing each other. It's just better than uh, just the regular faces and a few faces uh, being recorded. So one of the ways I've been, uh, uh, tried to do that this week is have our intern Lizzie uh, read the scripture for us. So she's going to read the scripture for us in just a little bit, but let me cue that up for you before she does. So we're in this sermon series called uh, Lent. I am, you are. And of course, that I am refers to the statements Jesus makes about himself, some of the statements he makes about himself in the Gospel of John. And most of those we've learned are uh, divine statements or statements of how he is connected in his identity to God the Father, these people, uh, the, the God people knew in the Old Testament, how Jesus is that God coming to be uh, with them. And uh, this week's uh, I am statement that we already had planned way back in February, January, was I am the resurrection and the life. 
And so the story that Lizzie's going to read for us is the story in which he says this phrase, I am the resurrection in the life. And we're looking at all these statements because in a way Jesus is saying, this is who I am, but that makes a big difference about how we understand ourselves as well as followers of Jesus and human beings whom we believe God created. So as you listen to this, uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I think the story is a wonderful one and meaningful uh, to us, particularly in the story that we're living in the midst of. So Lizzie's going to read it for us. I'd encourage you to grab a pen and paper or something like that. Listen to Lizzie read the story. This is from John chapter 11. If you want to open up in your Bible at home, we'll put a link in the, the chat stream as well. Uh, so you can pull it up in another browser or something like that. I would also recommend to you that if you have thoughts or comments that come up as you're listening to the scripture and reading along with us, put those in the chat stream. Kind of like those of you who are familiar with the dwelling in the word uh, that we do when we ask what sticks out to you or what stops your imagination, what questions you have, what might God be saying to our community through this text. Let's kind of have one of those experiences as uh, Lizzie uh, leads us through the reading of this text. So take it away, Lizzie. Good morning, North City Church. Um, I hope you and your families are doing well and staying safe in this season. Um, this morning we'll be reading from John 11, um, verses 1 through 44. And it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sisters of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Well, uh, earlier this week, I was reminded of uh, the story that happened to me when I was a freshman in college. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, that was 2007, uh, this particular story took place. 2007, I just finished my, finished my first uh, semester in college, and my big brother Travis was coming to pick me up. Uh, from college. I was going to University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire at the time, and uh, he was driving down from northern Wisconsin to pick me up. And uh, I remember that day, uh, I was so excited for a couple of reasons. One, to see my big brother. Uh, we're best friends, and I love him, so I was excited to see him. But I was also excited because my dad had just got a new truck, and my brother was bringing it down to pick me and some of my stuff up for the winter break. So that day he started off uh, from Ashland and both of us were chatting over the phone and we were noticing that the weather, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota winter weather was acting up and there was a winter storm warning. And uh, being typical uh, 19, 20 somethings, uh, we didn't pay that much mind. <laughs> but as the day went on, after he picked me up from my dorm room, after we kind of set off back up north uh, to be home with our family, uh, the snow picked up uh, and it started snowing and snowing and snowing every more. And uh, that should have been some sort of warning to us to slow down our pace. But as I was driving the truck now on the way home, uh, my prefrontal cortex was not doing uh, the normal adult thing and telling me 
to slow my pace and we weren't noticing how the the roads were clearing off uh, of people and how they were getting wider and wider and wider with snow and there was one particular moment where I went to pass in a snowstorm just think of that if you will uh, and it was this big you know four-lane highway two separate uh, lanes separated by a big median of woods and I went into the left lane to pass the semi and everything was going great on the truck all the way past the semi. But when I started to uh, exit into back into the right lane, I immediately started to feel the truck losing control. And that's just what happened. Uh, going 70 miles an hour down the freeway, the back of the truck uh, just flipped right around. And so here we were, my brother and I, going about 70 miles an hour down the highway uh, staring into the cockpit of a semi from our truck cockpit, if you will. I just vividly remember this because the semi driver had this huge Santa Claus beard and in the middle of the snowstorm. I don't know why I was thinking of this. Just ridiculous. I'm like, there's Santa in the semi. I don't know where my mind was at. But uh, we fortunately caromed off. The truck kept spinning caromed off into the ditch and did a full 360 on the highway and kind of skidded off. We didn't roll over anything like that. The semi kept going past. We didn't hit him at all. We were able even to kick it into four wheel drive and drive right out of the ditch. Now, there was a lot of feelings I felt in the midst of, of that experience. But one of the feelings that I remembered that I felt this week was that was the first time in my life that I really came face to face, if you will, with my mortality. That was the first time in my life I felt my life out of control, out of my control. And I think part of why I was reminded of that story is, um, now can we have real talk, North City? I know hearing from some of you and talking with some of you that we've all have had little glimpses of maybe what I felt in that truck this week. As we watch on the news, as we talk to neighbors, as many of you in your own words have said, as this virus in some ways gets a little closer to home, we are uh, bluntly reminded in some sense of our mortality, of how death will eventually come to us all. And uh, I don't say all this, I don't tell you the story to be alarmist, to hype this whole situation up. I just want to have a real conversation about what probably a lot of people are thinking about right now, probably what you're thinking about right now. And part of uh, this text that was already uh, determined for this day and for this season begs us to have this conversation about our mortality, have this conversation about what everybody's thinking about when there is this thing out in the world that is taking people's lives. Um, it's reminding us all that we have less control over our lives than we think we, we do. And what do we do with that as Christians? What message do we have in the midst of that reality that our neighbors are facing right now, that we ourselves are wondering right now? What does Jesus have to say in the midst of that? What is Jesus's identity? What is Jesus's words towards us, his life that he lived? How does that speak into our time? And I can't think of a better thing to talk about than Jesus proclaiming as he did in this text 
and through this story that he is the resurrection and the life. So when we experience these uncertainties and fears and we have these questions, how do we respond? How do we as Christians get in conversations with our neighbors? How do we talk within our own mind and our self-talk and within our own families about the reality of these things? So let's look at the statement that Jesus says about himself and what, what it can do to help us in these conversations. So this statement, I am the resurrection and the life. What was Jesus trying to communicate about that? What was he saying about himself? And based on what he's saying about himself, what does that mean for us, people who identify with him, shape our identity based on him and who he is? What does that mean about who you are? And lastly, what does that mean about what we should do, how we should respond? So let's dive into that a little bit. First of all, what does that mean about Jesus? So I am the resurrection and the life. Those are like three different statements, right? I am the resurrection and the life. And the first thing I am, we've noted already, these are divine statements. These are Jesus claiming his divinity, which is why it ticks off the Pharisees and all the other people around him so much, because he's basically identifying himself, equating himself in so many ways with the Old Testament God who uses that phrase for himself. I am who I am from the story of the Old Testament, the the burning bush with Moses. That statement is a statement of identity, a statement of connection with the God of Exodus, the God who brings his people out of Egypt and into the promised land, but through the wilderness. So we've already stated this in this, this series that those I am statements are identification with that God, but I think that's so real for us right now. And in some sense, the season we're in feels like a wilderness, doesn't it? Uh, we've already talked about all the new normals that we're experiencing, that you're experiencing right now, but there's so many parts of our life that have been disrupted, so many things we don't have access to, so many ways we can't connect with each other, and it feels like a desert, doesn't it? So I just thought it would it's worth pausing and noting that not only is this a divine statement from Jesus, but this is a reminder to us that this is the God of the wilderness talking. This is the God that can lead us through the wilderness. So even though we are experiencing fear, and I know you all are experiencing fear in a lot of different ways, we can hold on to hope that this God who's communicating this thing that we follow is a God who leads people through the wilderness. So I am the resurrection. So what is Jesus talking about when he says, I am the resurrection? The answer is so much, so much more than I can talk about in the short time we have together. And I hope Uh, If you want to, we can have a conversation about more of what this means. But the piece that I think uh, is hopeful and relevant for what we're talking about today, for this coming face-to-face with our mortality or talking about it with our neighbors, is that when Jesus claims this, he is um, claiming a hope that the Jewish people, some of them had, but Christians definitely have this hope for resurrection. Obviously, he's referring to his own resurrection. Obviously, he might be referring to the resurrection he's about to enact right there with Lazarus. And there's other examples of resurrection beyond Jesus in the New Testament. But what is it that we hope for when we say we believe in resurrection? Well, we're saying we believe in Jesus's bodily resurrection, but we're, we're hoping for something as well. And I think it's really interesting because uh, oftentimes when we say we hope for resurrection, it often gets conflated with life after death. 
And um, I don't think the two are exactly the same. And let me explain. I think when we're talking about life after death, when we're talking about going to heaven, the hope we have in God, those might be different things. And let me just explain this by saying a phrase that I get from the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. He says, resurrection is more about life after life after death. Let me say that again. Life after life after death. Now, that may be really confusing to you, but let me just parse it out. So uh, we hope for a life after death. We hope that, yes, all of us will experience death in this world, like Jesus says in the next verse. Uh, but uh, when we experience that, that's not the ultimate end that God is working towards. Our, 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 our selves, our very selves will go to be with God. He will hold us in his presence and that's the images we have of heaven are images like that people in god's presence worshiping celebrating doing things we don't even can't even imagine Uh, but they're safe in his presence but that's not the end the end see isn't for heaven and earth to remain separate the term resurrection talks about something that will ultimately happen and something that jesus is starting by resurrection himself The thing that will ultimately happen is often referred to as new creation. So there's this beautiful image in Revelation 21 of heaven coming down to earth, which of course in itself is a metaphor because heaven and earth are actually these realities that are sort of intersected. And the spiritual life that we live is the uh, life in the balance of those two in many ways. And the life that Jesus is talking about here is a life lived in both of those realms in some way. I'll get into that in a second. But what resurrection is, is bringing people back to the life that God fully imagined for human beings. So we look back to the garden and you have Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day. They're safe. They have everything they need. The earth that God created is functioning in the way that it was intended to function. And what God is saying in the hope and promise of resurrection is not that I'm going to build a whole new world. Not that I'm going to build a whole thing from scratch. The new creation that God talks about in Revelation and that it is encapsulated in the term resurrection is about a creation out of this earth. Making something out of something that already exists. We use terms like making the wrong things right. Healing and repairing the broken things. The, the hope in, Reso- uh, in, in Revelation is not that there will be a brand uh, new earth started from scratch. It's that God's power to redeem and restore, to resurrect things will come fully to this earth. And he will restore all things to the way that they ought to be. That's the hope we have. That's what it means for Jesus to be the resurrection. When we hope in resurrection, we say, even though we'll experience death, we ultimately hope for Jesus to come back to this earth and fully restore things to the way they ought to be. And if we experience death in this life, we'll wait with him until that comes to pass. And that changes the way that we think about our life now. And that's the last thing Jesus is talking about. I am the life. In this term, zoe, in the Greek, is such a huge term, but it means the very life source, the very thing that sets everything else into motion, the very ground of being, the very thing that gives us life. And Jesus is doing nothing less than claiming that that's him in this moment. Jesus is saying life doesn't come from all the things that you think give you life. Life comes from me.
at the end of the day, life comes to from a relationship with the Creator. And that relationship is available to us through Jesus. Doesn't that change the hope we have in this season where death seems a little bit closer to us? Where the broken of this world is brokenness of this world is rearing its sort of ugly head, and we're reminded that we are not there yet. We're not in this reality where all of God's dreams and desires are fully true for us now. What Jesus is saying when he says, I am the resurrection and the life is in his resurrection, in his life is the beginning of this new creation, the beginning of this resurrection. And when we hope in this thing, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it was a sign that that will fully be true. Just like Lazarus being raised from the dead, he will raise this whole earth back to the way it was meant to be fully alive. So that gets me to talking about what does this mean for us? That's a statement about who Jesus is. He's God, the God of Exodus that leads us through the wilderness. Uh, He is the resurrection. He is the sign and the source and the power for which and by which this whole earth will be recreated from that which it is to that which it ought to be. Wow. How did I make it through that statement? And he's the life in which we can have our very, very like Paul says to the, uh, in Athens, in which we live, move, and have our being. And that puts us in this situation. What does that mean for you? That means you, if you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus, if you try to live life in his presence, and you trust in his uh, saving work in your life, that means God's promise has come to you. That means that God dwells within you and this resurrection and life is in the midst of your life and can animate your life. Second Corinthians talks about this as uh, there's this phrase, uh, in Christ, you are a new creation. In Christ, uh, other translations say the new creation has come. That means what Revelation was talking about, what resurrection means, is in you now. So Christians, we walk around as new creations. What it means for us is that we are resurrection people. But obviously, uh, and this pandemic is showing us that this is vividly clear, we still are experiencing the pains of earth not being what it ought to be yet. And our bodies certainly aren't what they're intended to be yet. So how do we live in this space in what we have been calling and call at North City this now but not yet reality? What I mean by that is now reality that we are in Christ, that we are a new creation, that in some ways we're living in that in-between, between heaven and earth, and we can see things come true that God desires for this world, but also we're not there yet. And there's things like pandemics that can ravage our world. So we're stuck in this in-between, this now but not yet until in the wisdom of God that we don't understand, he will come and save this world. How do we operate in this reality of now but not yet? Part of what it means for us to live in the now but not yet is to live into being a new creation and live into the resurrection work of Jesus. Romans puts it really interesting in chapter 8. He says when we're baptized, we identify with Christ's resurrection. We go down in the water and we come on up. That's actually in chapter 6. 
And it's this identification of Jesus being buried and then conquering the grave. And we start a new life in Christ when that occurs in our life, when we start a relationship uh, with Jesus. And we enter into this reality. And in Romans 8, it says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The same Holy Spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, that raised Lazarus from the dead, dwells in us. Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that hopeful for this time when our neighbors are scared, when we ourselves are experiencing that fear? How do we live into that hope, this reality that we're in between these things? And here's three things that I see Jesus doing, like me modeling something to my kids. In this story, I feel like Jesus is modeling three things for us to live into this new reality of being resurrection people, being a new creation. The first thing he experience, or he shows us is courage. You remember as Lizzie read this story that there's people out to get him. There is real danger for Jesus to go into this place. There's people who are actively trying to arrest him and put him to death. And for us in this time, I think Jesus is modeling us for us what it means to be resurrection people, what it means to live in this reality that ultimately one day uh, God will resurrect the earth. But in right now, when we live, God can act and move and bring our earth back to the way it ought to be. He asks us to live with courage. And resurrection is primarily about creation, as I said, creating things, making beauty from things that are broken, and justice, setting things right. And those are things we can do now. Those are things that the Holy Spirit is leading our community into all the time. And I've seen this sort of courage, stepping into uncertain times and doing something creative, doing something that brings justice to this world. I've seen this in all of you. I've seen uh, you build websites to support uh, restaurants who are out of business for no fault of their own. I like the story we heard today of Jen uh, courageously working in the midst of fear all around her. I've seen you stand up to racism in this time. I've seen you do so many courageous things. You go, you go to work when uh, work isn't that safe anymore. We can do courageous things when we live in this now but not yet and live with the hope of resurrection in the future. It changes the way that we live. It gives us courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. It's how we behave in the midst of fear. And we can be safe, we can be sensible, we can listen to the guidance of our leaders, but we don't have to live under fear. We can live in courage as Jesus did. The other thing I see from Jesus in this story that I think really uh, can shape how we act as resurrection people in the now is empathy. You know, the shortest verse in the Bible is in this story, and it's Jesus wept. Isn't it quite puzzling that Jesus, knowing with full confidence he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, still wept for his friend? Knowing the hope that's possible, knowing what he could do and what the possibility could be, instead of just dwelling in that, he stopped to feel he stopped to cry. And I think this is great wisdom to us in this time. That though we can have this courage, this hope, and that God is restoring things, that there is life after life after death, and we can tell that to other people, we need to stop. 
and weep. We need to stop and feel these emotions. We need to stop and enter into the groaning of all of this. We need to be real with how we're experiencing the fear of this. And that's one of the best gifts that we can give our neighbors now. It's just to say, hey, this is terrifying. How are you doing? Uh, we're about to come out with this word to our neighborhood. We're going to push out a bunch of video or a video to our neighborhood over social media with that very question, just asking, hey, how are you? We want to talk with you and want to connect with you. And if you want to be one of the people who just connects with a neighbor who might be feeling lonely, reach out to me. I'm looking for people who would be ready to just call a neighbor up who reaches out to just talk in these isolating times. And what that is for our church is this practice of empathy, understanding how people are going through this, weeping with them, crying with them. We need to do that for each other and we need to do that for our neighbors as well. The last thing I see in Jesus is this tremendous hope, this living hope. We need to be people of hope. To live in the now but not yet is to be empathetic, to be real with how these things are hard, but to be hopeful. To live between the two realities that we're not quite there yet. We're not quite where God wants this world to be. Obviously, this is not where the world or where God wants the world to be. But God yet has the power and will, uh, if we ha- um, he will one day make all things new and right. And living in both of those realities means having hope. Meaning that we're sure of what we can't see. And we live in that in that reality. Uh, Back in our Christmas series, uh, Waiting Well, I talked about hope and I shared this image um, from Isaiah of the locust flower. It's the first flower in spring that usually blooms and it often blooms uh, through the snow. And I just think that's a beautiful image of hope to bring back to our attention. That's what it means for us to be resurrection people in this time, that we can enter into the hard season We can be in the midst of the hard season with our neighbors and with each other, with our spouses, with our kids, with our friends. We can be fully present in this hard time. We can have empathy. We can be in the midst of the wilderness with everybody else. But there's a way in which we can bloom and be a beacon of hope as well. A beacon that spring is coming, that a different reality is coming. And we don't know when it's coming, but we trust that God can accomplish it and make it true. So we can have courage, we can have empathy, and we can have hope in this season. That's what it means for Jesus to be the resurrection in life. That's what it means for us to live into that identity as his followers. So would you join me in being people who have courage, who have empathy, and have hope in these times? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you, God, that you've accomplished resurrection. You've accomplished which will be fully accomplished with all of us in the future. You've done that already. And it's in that that we place our hope in these uncertain times. God, we want to have our security in you. We want to be able to face the fears and the changes and the anxiety that we're feeling and be real about those. Have empathy towards others that are experiencing that and empathy towards ourselves but ultimately trust in you and have courage and hope in who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at Ben Noble.